Our first reading this morning is recorded in the book of Genesis. Sodom and Gomorrah. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people? Far be it for you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it for you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if there are only 40 that are found there? God said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not, not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. What a gracious God we have, isn't it? You think about that? For a whole city... God's ready to wipe them up because of all their sins and transgressions. And yet Abraham pleads to God, if I find 50, will you spare the whole city? 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Abraham pleads with God. God is a merciful and loving and forgiving God. And for the sake of 10 people, God says, I will not destroy the whole city. That's a pretty powerful testimony right there for the sake of Abraham. All right, our next lesson is from the book of Romans. Now, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know this will be, this will, and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, 
a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say to the people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. So then if those who are not circumcised keep the law requirements, will they not then be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit and not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. It's kind of like... Uh, be careful what you do and what you say. Practice what you preach, basically, is what it comes down to for each one of us. Paul is saying here that, you know, if you teach righteousness, you need to be righteous. If you preach righteousness but do contrary, but rob temples and do bad things, then that's why the Gentiles are complaining about you. That's why your name is not good among the Gentiles because you say one thing but do something else. Paul is telling the Jews, get your act together. He tells us as well to get our act together to make sure that we're doing the right things every day in our lives. It's so important that we do and we practice what we preach because people are watching and they will judge us by what we do and what we say when we are away from the church. Alright, let's get to the gospel reading for today from the book of Matthew. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. There's a lot of stuff just in those few verses there in the book of Matthew. 
An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our God endures forever. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. On January 7th, 1865, a man named Asia McCoy was murdered by a group of Confederate home guards called the Logan Wildcats. Asia had returned from fighting in the Civil War. He fought for the Union for the 45th Kentucky Infantry. And when he came home, he was murdered by the Confederate sympathizers. One of the chief suspects for Asia McCoy's death was a man named William Anderson Hatfield. He was immediately suspected of this crime. However, later it came to see that in fact he did not commit it because he had been homesick at the time. But that started the beginning of some bad blood between the Hatfields and the McCoys. Have you heard of that terminology before? I remember hearing it, never knew what it really meant until reading the story. A little over a decade later in 1878, there was another issue, this time not over a murder, but over something small. It was a disputed property right over a pig. A man named Bill Statton, who had relations to both families, the Hatfields and the McCoys, he gave testimony that ultimately led the judge to award ownership of the pig to the Hatfield family. Well, the McCoys felt that was not right. They felt that someone had murdered them, actually, and they were very unhappy about it, and they lost this pig to the Hatfields, so the two of the McCoy brothers rose up to murder Bill Statton as retaliation for what they perceived was gross injustice. From there, things spiraled out of control. One thing led to another. One side retaliation led to the other side retaliating even more. Back and forth, the violence went until this became an absolutely legendary feud where over a dozen people on both sides were killed. If you look back at a story like that, the Hatfield and the McCoys, you wonder why. They did eventually find peace. Happened in 1979 on, of all shows, The Family Feud. The Hatfields and the McCoys were on Family Feud. For five episodes, they battled back and forth. The Hatfields ended up winning the money, but the show, to keep peace, gave the McCoys the same amount of money to help keep the peace. So there are the Hatfields and the McCoys. I've heard that terminology used. Oh yeah, there is a fight. You know, there is the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, they, certain people would be called that because of the battle that seems to be always enraging. So in our reading for today, Jesus talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But there's so much more involved in that. Jesus is making reference to some Old Testament 
readings that basically was for the court system to handle, not for individuals to handle. And that's where some of the issues were coming up with the Pharisees. They were taking some of these issues that were meant for court and applying it to individualism. And Jesus says, no. Remember, Jesus says he did not come to abolish the law, but to uphold it. People needed to understand that the courts have their roles and systems. Now he's talking about us. What happens if somebody comes up to us and makes us mad? How do we react? Do we get angry? Do we want to retaliate? Somebody comes up and says, I don't like what you did. And I've seen some people that will come up to them and put their finger right in their face. That casts, I bet, and that really casts a bad image over the entire situation. I have seen where that has happened, where basically everybody got mad and upset over that one person's anger. And it's really tough when people get mad. And I haven't figured out the, the answer is Jesus, obviously. But trying to get people to understand that seems to be something I have a tough time grasping because they don't want to hear the message. It's like, that's just one person. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but he shouldn't have done that. I'm done. I'm out of here. That's not what love is all about. Matter of fact, the greatest commandment that the Lord said is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. The second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. You may know that this comes from the second commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus, but there's also a first half of that verse as well. The first half half of that verse says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. People have a tendency to remember the second part, but not the first part. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But how many people love to hold grudges? And how do you overcome grudges? How do you associate with people like that? I remember once that somebody was mad at me, imagine that, over something. It happens. And I had somebody call me up. I said, Bob, you know, they, had, they were upset about something I had, had in the paper. They want to cancel their subscription. Okay. I just let them talk. And I did not argue with them. Because one of the best things you could do is keep silence while they're arguing, while they're hollering at you. It's tough to do, isn't it? You want to, because you, in your mind, I know I'm right. But the other person thinks they're right as well. So you're, you're button heads. You're not going to get anywhere. So you're just better off just 
Let them speak their peace. Let them be mad. A couple years later, they called back and they got a subscription back to the paper. The moral of the story is, had I argued with them and had I continued the discussion with them and tried to be get vengeance with them, do you think they would ever came back? No. They would not have come back. There was another individual in the community that was had a chip on their shoulder for years. Every time I seen them, though, I said, "Hi, Joe." They wouldn't. They put the nose up and walk away. Vengeance belongs to the Lord and not to us. So I'll let God take care of it. And every time I seen this person, I would say, hi, Joe. I'd make a special effort to make sure that they seen that I was being nice to them. It took probably about maybe six years before they actually said hi back to me. But they did. See, that's the beauty about God. God works in his own time and we have to have that patience we have to let God do his master work for us if we're vengeful if we try to do stuff that is relied upon in the courts if we try to apply it in our own everyday living it's not going to work because Jesus says do not take vengeance I know, like, when we were young, probably as kids in school, there would always be these, you know, fights with the kids in school and so forth. The interesting thing about it is that a lot of times when there might be a little squabble, five minutes later they might be best friends and talking again. When it comes to adulthood, if there's an argument or a squabble over something, do you think they're best friends five minutes later? <laughs> Why? Why not? Is it because that the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is not strong enough to realize that this is not the right way? Jesus says, if somebody strikes you on one side, let them strike the other side. Don't be vengeful. Be patient. Be kind. Oh, patience. Yeah, we all have patience. We are all loving and kind. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, he says. But if anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Love. That's what it comes down to. This could almost be a Valentine's message, couldn't it? Instead of 4th of July. It's about love. As long as we love, no matter what happens to us, it, and I know it, it's difficult, us as human beings with the emotions that are going on in our heads and what's going on inside of our hearts, it's difficult when somebody comes up to us, points a finger in our face, gets mad, hollers at us and everything else for us to say, that's okay, I, I still love you. It's a tough thing to do. 
So Jesus says, do it anyway. Do it. Life is too short to have a black cloud hanging over your head because you're mad or upset about somebody else. We have something more important to deal with, and that's eternal life. That is what's in store for us. It's not what's in store for us today. It's what's yet to come. A little bit, we're going to be taking Holy Communion, where we'll be taking the blood and body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because He shed His blood, the ultimate death for us, for the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of everlasting life. Yes, the four founders of our country signed the Declaration of Independence so we can be a country that is going to be free. But we have to be careful with that freedom. And I think this country is in the situation where we're overusing the freedom for our own personal interests instead of the interests of the country. And that's getting one side up against another side. And now we have clashes going on all over the United States because we have simply lost our way to Jesus Christ. Once we put Jesus back, once we put that little light on inside of our bodies, inside of our heads, that little light, once that's lit, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will be at peace. More people need to find that light of Jesus and to be at peace. More people need to find that light to realize that their light is Jesus Christ. Not me, not you, not your neighbor, not your friends, not your family, but Jesus Christ is your light. It's a tough world we live in. It's the only world we're living in. Make sure that we do the best of it as we possibly can. Let that light shine inside of us each and every day. And don't hold grudges. Be at peace. There was a gentleman that had a really tough time saying, you don't understand what I went through with my family members, what they did to me. And all I can say is, you know what? Look at what we did to Jesus. For us. Your family may have done bad things to you, we did, did much more worse thing to Jesus Christ. You can't even compare the apples. Yeah, maybe you, things were bad in your situation. Get over it. Move on. It's not worth it. But Jesus Christ first and put your family behind you. If they're being a problem. And it even says in James, don't associate with people that are negative and bad don't, you're not supposed to be associating with those type of people. And yeah, people say, yeah, but they, they really bother me, but I still want to hang around them. Oh, so you want your cake and eat it too. 
No, can't. It's either God or man. Yesterday I was getting an argue or a discussion with my girls. Shall we go to the uh, carnival a couple blocks away? Well, I, I don't know. They were saying everything else. Said, well, it's a yes or a no answer. If you don't say yes, anything else you say is going to be a no. I think they were just messing with my mind, but they just, I don't know, well, maybe, well, I don't know if we should go. Uh, what do you think, you know, this, is it yes or no? And what does it say in the Bible? Let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Anything else? It's a challenge. I said, well, I guess me and my mom are going to go because we're the only two people that said yes. The rest of you can stay home if you can't make up your mind. Just kind of a fun deal, but again, yes versus no. Don't be a politician. You see enough of that on TV. Just let your yeses be yeses, your noes be noes. Don't take vengeance. Love your neighbor as yourself. And put Jesus Christ first in your life. Amen. Amen. But you know what? There's a great song for, for the little ones of you. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And it goes right with this sermon, you know. So when we get to that point, this is your light. You know, and uh, I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over the world. Shine all over Buffalo Lake. But is that all right if I switch the song? Here we go now. Do you know this one? You got a light? Yeah, here we go. Here we go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine.
sing one more time here for us. Absolutely. You mean you want us to do the song we were going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this little light of mine, you think you're swimming so well. Well, that's perfect timing, too. This is my favorite song because it, it's true about my life. He touched me and he made me whole. Happened and now. 